right, we're in, Matthew. We're just starting. We're, in, um, we're doing this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to uh, After Sunday. <laughs> it always feel, I feel like I, I, I feel like you and I don't do a good job of just like a natural start. No. It always <laughs> feels never, like it's like it's, sputtering. It's always like we're like, well, uh. <laughs> um, and full disclosure, we were supposed to do this last week, but we but you got sick. I got Matthew COVID. got the Rones. Yeah. The Rones. <laughs> That's what Max always called it. I don't know where he got that from. The Rones. Have you heard that? Corona. Rones. Oh. Yeah, I never. Yeah. I honestly, I did not make that connection. Really? Never. I was like, what, where does the Rones come from? Um, yeah, so you're feeling better now, though. I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. I sure. honestly, I feel like it's literally, it was like a cold. And I just got curious. So uh, I used, you know, we've, we now have an abundance of test kits at our house. Ugh, so you just went and stuck that thing up your nose? I did. Like, seriously, what, <laughs> what kind of morbid curiosity is that? I have never done that. I have not done that yet. What? Not once. I haven't done it once. Wait, I, so how do you know you've been positive for COVID? Uh, I could tell. I knew I knew I had. Like I, I Oh I, boy. I know. And really? I also gave it to my entire our our team here. <laughs> it's so bad. Was there a super spreader event? It was a super spreader event. Except for it was just so it was one of those things. <laughs> when where was this? I've... It was for Christmas. It actually was in January. This last one? This last January. Yeah, yeah. It was we because we had a I think it was January. We we did a late so uh, Brett, Tiana, Debbie. Uh, and Isaac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we had a, a Christmas thing, kind of a post-Christmas, Christmas evening at the Allstead. So we... Boy, you guys can't get enough. You guys like uh, MSB, Making Spirits Bright, and Christmas, yeah. and a post-Christmas? I know, Christmas? I know. So then we were... <laughs> so I was like, I knew I was sick. Like the Wednesday, I'm like, oh man, I... So it was a Thursday night. I know, this is terrible. <laughs> we should maybe race this after. <laughs> like, So I was like, I'm like, guys, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sick. Like I got this, you know, I have all the symptoms not feeling great. It's up to you guys. Like I've, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I've been uh, triple vax now. So at the time was I, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. But I, so then, but everyone wanted to do it still. So it's their fault. They came. <laughs> they came with full knowledge. They came with full knowledge. Oh, okay. Well, I said, yeah, that's you know, on them. Yeah. But that's then they them. all, they all got sick. Like it was bad. Oh no, Debbie didn't. Debbie didn't. And she was, but she was the one that was actually being very cautious. Uh-huh. Like, like not touching anything. We, if we handed food, she'd be like, ah, you know, like being really careful about how she handled and stuff. And oh. anyways, so sorry. Yeah. But I never, but still wow. I'm like, I will not stick that thing on my nose <laughs> on principle. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> I just can't handle that. It's so disgusting. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Gross. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But we're doing it this week here. We're doing it this week. We're doing this is it. Good. And you were saying that I know we're going to do some social niceties first, but we yeah. had a winner. We had, oh, yes, yes, yes. Of Andrew the, uh, Ransom was our winner. Andrew Ransom was the winner. And Matthew, you owe him a gift card of some sort, I think. Definitely not. <laughs> okay. okay, I would like our listeners to, okay. if they listened a couple, yep. you know, whatever's ago, yes. podcasts ago, yeah. I thought we said you were going to give a gift. I don't think we said that. I think I said, I think I said, Matthew, um, you're in charge of getting the gift. <laughs> Pretty that sure. So no, made up. no, I actually, don't, I don't think we, I don't think we ever landed it. But I am going to get An- Andrew. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you a gift card. And Andrew Ransom listened to and he heard the word Tom Cruise. Yes, the words Tom Cruise. The words yeah, <laughs> Tom Cruise. Yeah. And he emailed us back. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like it was within an hour or two. Yeah. I was like, man, that's awesome. He's like a super fan. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I always, I always wanted for us to have a super fan. And of of the like, podcast? And he's probably cringing right now. It's like, really? <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Totally. So, yes, we are good for it. But we should probably have another secret yeah. word today. 
What's you want the, to? Yeah. I mean, you have to commit to being able to give a gift. I will give a I promise I will give a gift. I know. I okay. didn't even know that it was my responsibility, but now I know. All right. Okay. How about... Um, Ichabod Crane. No. <laughs> no. Okay. How about um, fern? Fern. Yeah. Like the plant. Like the plant. Yeah. All right. Have you ever watched, okay, I, we're not doing it yet, but have you watched uh, Between Two Ferns with Zach I've watched, Bell? I've only watched the Steve okay. Carell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Between Two Ferns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're not endorsing the show. No. No, but it's Zach Galifianakis. It's so funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fern is the word. Starting now. Starting now. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Oh, sorry. The, the rules are that if you, because we should probably explain, because we probably have a lot of new time listeners. First time listeners? <laughs> um, so the deal is this if if we long say, time listener for some caller <laughs> if we say the word fern okay not now but going forward throughout the podcast whoever emails in first um, and says the time like the time that we said it uh, then they will get a gift <laughs> apparently an amazing <laughs> apparently, gift some amazing <laughs> gift yeah we're good for it though this we really are good for it so okay. there you go starting now okay fern. okay all right so, okay. as we've said in the last number of weeks, yeah. the world has gone mad. Yes, true, true. And there is uh, there is not a lot of good news out there. Well, okay. All right, all right, sure. But there's a couple. Oh, And right. I brought a couple good this news is, pieces yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been doing some homework. Okay. And actually, I just realized one of them's not good news. One of them is just kind of funny news. Okay. Well, kind of crazy news. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> November 2nd. How many days ago was that? That's like uh, five, six days ago. Five, six days ago, yeah. Okay. An owl attacked a Washington woman what? twice. Not oh. once, but twice. That sounds very scary. Okay. So a biologist says it's becoming more common. Oof. Barred owls are known to be aggressive and territorial. Hmm. Cri- By the way, I got this from NPR. So NPR says, Kristen Matheson was walking alone in the woods in her Hansville, Washington home when she was attacked. There was no, there was no warning. Uh, her attacker was fast and silent, but left its mark. She said it felt like getting punched in the back of the head by someone wearing rings. Wow! Punched in the back of the head. That's very descriptive and very specific. Yeah, it feels like you maybe have experienced that. I was going to say, yeah. I wonder. It's like <laughs> seriously, yeah. Luckily, she got photos and video of her attacker, which is a white barred owl. Wow! The attack was unprompted. Matheson said she was just walking as she always does. In fact, she had seen this owl before and there was never any problem. And later on at the urging of friends, she went to a doctor who recommended she get a tetanus shot to avoid any further issues from the owl's bacteria carrying claws. Matheson wasn't going to be kept captive in her house though. So she did her best to avoid the owl's territory. I was just like, okay, (laughs) <laughs> this is quote <laughs> quote i was just like okay i just won't walk that way for a few days yeah but then exactly a week later on the next saturday <laughs> i was on my driveway much closer to the house and the same thing the owl hit her again do you think it was the same owl it's got to be the same owl wow That's and i think nuts. like they headbutt like she said like the claws were there too i guess but Hi. like that's crazy can you imagine you're That's just walking down the road? Really and scary. Bam! Do you know that my mother-in-law is petrified of birds? Really? She would, like, this would be her worst nightmare. Yikes. Um, it makes me, th- sorry, are you finished that story yet or no? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> sorry. I feel like I, I was trying to give good news. I thought yeah. this was kind of funny, but I guess as I read it out loud, it's it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so just the final thing I'll say is that Matheson has altered her walking path 
Mm, oh, that's good. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> and she's also taken to wearing a hat or carrying an umbrella to protect against further wax on the head. Wow. That's crazy. Okay, that's it. What it's like, uh, Kristen, if you're listening, keep us posted. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you know, when I when we first came, this reminds me a little bit, when we first came here, we lived in the church house. I don't know if everyone mm-hmm. knows that. We lived in, the, there was a little, um, well, where the shed is now, Yeah, it used to be a house. A debilitated, <laughs> like old <laughs> mold infested house, but no, it was, it was good for a cozy. while. It was it was really cozy until it got yeah. There was quite a lot of mold and stuff. They had to tear it down eventually. But um, but there it was. We had so many raccoons that would come, and Whoa. so Rob Teeson and listen, I am I love animals. Just so we all know, you know that I love animals. But Rob Teeson, our former lead pastor here, uh, lent me his pellet gun. Did you shoot a raccoon? I did. But here's the thing. He said, "Don't worry, it's not going to kill him." It, 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 like it'll it'll give a bit of a bruise. Oh, really? And it's true. So what I did was I would go out, and I, I know some people are going to hate this story, but um, uh, and and they would be like there, and they're so tame, right? So they didn't care. They yeah. saw me. They just kind of look at me and just keep going through our garbage. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I shot one of them. Oh boy. <laughs> I know. Seriously, are we going to get like lots of? Um. Anyways, but but and they'll, and then then they actually kind of he kind of jumped up and he just kind of he sort of looked at me and just kind of wandered back to the fence. He wasn't even like that. Didn't even really bug him. Well, he was probably in shock. <laughs> No. <laughs> now I feel he's terrible. He's probably so stunned. He's but, just okay, you know walking what's, off. You he's know like, what? all I wanted was a little nibble of some garbage. Yeah, some garbage that you left out, Corey. Yeah, yes. You left your spaghetti and whatever else yeah, out there. and So I did it. It was kind of fun. But then I remember, here's the, here's the funny part, is that I, so I would be like, and there was a family of raccoons that would come and do it. I was like, so annoyed. So I was standing. I remember it was a Friday night and it was like late and I, and I could hear them rustling around. And so I went out and they had got, they had disappeared again. So then I'm like, I'm going to get them. So I waited in the shadows in front of my house with the gun. <laughs> okay. And you know where this is going? And then like, I'm standing there and I'm like kind of hiding, um, with my gun and like, and then like all these cars are coming in the parking lot. I'm like, Oh, interesting. You know, I'm like, Oh, right. It's youth. It's youth. And so then, seriously, oh, no. I know, I know. Within five minutes, I'm like, oh, this looks horrible. There's like, there's a guy standing outside the Allstead home in the shadows with a gun. As, as parents are dropping, as parents are dropping their kids off. I know. And so I quickly went inside. No one, <laughs> thankfully, no one saw me. I was like, that would look very crazy. That's so good. Oh, anyways, yeah. It's, uh, we, That's I, awesome. I did get a few raccoons, but no, no one died. No one was even morbidly injured. I promise. Hey, Corey. Yeah. I me. picked this next one for you. Okay. I actually, literally, when I saw it, I was like, He's going to love this one. Okay. Well, it's kind of sad, but it's actually a cool story. Okay. You ready? Right, I'm ready. In Seattle. Yep. Eclipse the dog. His name is Eclipse. Oh. Huh. He is known as the dog who rides the bus alone on city buses. Oh. Huh. Now, he passed away. That's the sad part. Okay. He was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Died. Oh, so sorry. She. She, she died in her sleep. Kate. Okay. Yep. But Eclipse gained attention in 2015 when she began to take the bus alone. Her owner... Jeff Young says the two of them would regularly take the bus to visit their local dog park. Okay. One day, he was still smoking a cigarette when the bus arrived, so she just hopped on the bus without him. (laughs) Within weeks, the Black Lab Bull Mastiff, Mix, was a consistent commuter in her signature red harness. Bus drivers recognized her, and she knew her stop by looking out the window. Her owner said, we get separated, she gets on the bus without me, and I catch up with her at the dog park. She gets on first... And then she gets off at the dog park three or four <laughs> stops later. Oh. So the King County Metro, that's the Seattle Metro, yeah. paid tribute to the dog on its Twitter page, posting an image of her in the note, Eclipse was a super sweet, world-famous bus-riding dog and a true Seattle icon. You brought joy and happiness to everyone and showed us all 
that good dogs belong on the bus. Aww, I love that story. That's for you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. That is, that's, it's sad that she died, but it's nice that she brought a lot of joy to people. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Dogs are, I don't know, there's something about dogs. Yeah. Wait, everybody wait for it. Big point. Big point's coming. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> I'm ready. They're, they're going to be in heaven with us. <laughs> We've already talked about this. Okay. It's well, not happening. No, no. The lion will lie down with the lamb. <laughs> Everything will be restored. Yeah. New creation. New heavens and new earth. Yeah. Why wouldn't we have pets? Okay. okay. Um, there's the whole soul idea. You, yeah. What about the soul idea? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Do they have souls? I, why, do they not? I was assuming they didn't. Why did you assume that? <laughs> show me, show me the verse. <clears throat> <laughs> show me the verse. I don't know if there's an explicit. No. Nah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it just feels like in the animal kingdom, mm-hmm. we kill animals to eat them. Some animals, yeah, that's true. We shoot pellets at them when they okay, try to get our garbage. Really? Okay. Yeah, that was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're assuming dogs will be there, but raccoons won't. I didn't say that raccoons won't. What about the chicken that you ate in your chicken burger? <laughs> will will that chicken, chicken be, you? you know, the chicken burger you ate the other day? Okay. Will that chicken be in the new heavens and new earth? So and I don't does know it have how a soul? It, I don't know how it all works. I don't know how, obviously I don't know. But I do feel as though if, if, our, if in eternity everything is as it should be, okay. all shall be made new. I think to me, especially I feel like, and there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and nodding along with me and saying, yes, Corey, absolutely. That those little, those little pets of ours, they become part of our family. Yes. It's become the point where you're like, I can't imagine that when all is as it should be, that this little, this little creature who some, we had such a connection, won't be part of that. Won't be but part of I the know. new and restored I just feel like earth. it's not consistent because what about the cow that was killed? Yeah. I, I, I'm never consistent. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know how it could. All, and maybe we won't eat meat in heaven. Maybe we won't need. Maybe we won't need to eat it all. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Matthew's adjusting the <laughs> mic there. Okay. Well, we can. We'll do another podcast on this. Let's lay that aside. Uh, for now. <laughs> okay. We've Anyways, got some big eclipse, things to do. Eclipse. I'm looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get my last <laughs> trade. Okay. okay. <clears throat> all right. So, quick recap. Yep. Um, so, we really kind of. We could talk about two of the last sermons, the Sermon on Freedom or the Sermon on Progress. Okay. But I'd actually like to go back a week and still focus on freedom, yes. the Freedom Sermon. Okay. And so to bring people up to speed, we're in this series called The Jesus Revolution. We just actually finished the series, the seventh week. And um, and so on week six of the series, we were looking at the concept of freedom and that, that the story of followers of Jesus has for the most part, been a story where we are anti-slavery. We're moving right. away from slavery. Yeah. Um, there are exceptions to that, most notably the U.S. American South and slavery, mm. uh, which is a dark stain upon the story. But, <clears throat> but in general, we've seen Christians move towards the abolition of slavery mm. as they follow Jesus. And uh, so just a quick recap, Rodney Stark in his book, The Triumph of Christianity, had said that all known societies in history above the very primitive level have been slave societies. So Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, China, India, Greece, Rome, they were all slave societies, basically which are empires built on the backs of slaves. And it's just kind of how the world worked. Hmm. But then we hear Jesus, right? He stands up one one day in his hometown. He reads out what's called the Nazareth Manifesto. Hmm. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And 
basically he's announcing this year of the Lord's favor, right? He says to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hmm. And we've looked at this, this is just a recap, but like the year of the Lord's favor was the year of Jubilee, Mm -hmm. which was the canceling of debts. Right. And people got into slavery because of debt. Right, right, right. Because of financial debt. So they, in the ancient world, they'd be sold on the slave market and like an owner would come and pay their, pay what their debt that they owed to somebody. Mm. And then that slave would come work for them. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm announcing that as you follow me, all debts are forgiven and that there's this kind of end to slavery. He's setting the oppressed free. And so I just, I feel like we see in Jesus this this movement of freedom everywhere Jesus went. He's setting people free. He promised that if he set you free, you'd be free indeed in Mm -hmm. John 8. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So I think when we look at Jesus, his whole life is this bold declaration, let my people go, right? Like he's like a new Moses yep. leading the world out of out of slavery in Egypt into mm. a promised land. Um, and so his promise is he's come to have, he's come to bring life and life to the full. So this that's a little recap hmm, of okay. the Sunday. Yeah, 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 cool. Um, any thoughts on that so far? No, the only thing I, 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 the year of Jubilee is a fascinating thing. I don't know a, a ton about it. I just know that was like every 50 years, the idea was that, yeah, you, you like no debt, like debts are erased. Yep. And even, isn't there like a, is it giving the land a break for a year or so? Isn't there something in there as well? Like, yes. You, you don't cultivate the land, you let it rest. Life basically. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> My understanding is that there's no evidence that Israel ever actually recognized that. It's true. Which is interesting because, again, it actually only, I, I know that you've talked before about Jesus being the new Israel or like taking on that identity in a sense and doing what Israel had not done yes. in a lot of ways, right? And so there's yes. another example where this would support that idea, yes. right? Yeah. Because you, can you imagine? Can you imagine if we lived in a time now where every 50 years, like family debt, generational debt, like all those things would, mm-hmm. would be erased? And even, and actually, even like things like the earth given, like it, it's just such a wild idea. It is a wild idea. Yeah. You know, Bono in his campaign, to from you too for you too mm-hmm. um what did he call it i thought it was the year it was the jubilee campaign mm, yeah, yeah um trying to get large trying to get countries to drop the debt mm. that poor countries were living under. yes right i remember that um but and it was it was anchored in this idea mm, of jubilee. jubilee yeah yeah he's got a new new book out that's apparently really i've asked great. for it for christmas have you yes yeah, it looks for really my wife good. i've heard it's pretty awesome yeah. yeah, he's yeah. kind of doing the circuit right now, like yeah, 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 promoting right. the book. Very cool. He's like Brene Brown. He's got an interview with her, I think, in a couple of weeks or something. Oh, nice. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, okay. so here's the big pushback. All right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, not actually pushback. I've had a discussion with a few people who've said, "Hey, so can we talk about the Bible? Because yeah. in the Bible, it seems like Matthew, you made a case for the abolition of slavery. Yeah, but it, when you read the Bible." the face value of the text seems to say slavery is okay. Right. It sort of assumes it, right? Yeah. To assume it. yeah. So I'll give a couple examples from the Old Testament and a couple examples from the New Testament. So Exodus 21, 2. If you buy a Hebrew servant, mm-hmm. he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. Right. Now that sounds kind of like, oh, good. He gets to go free. But just the first words there. If you buy a Hebrew servant. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's in the Bible. Uh, A few verses later, Exodus 21, 7. If a man sells his daughter as a servant. Now, just, you know, servant there is slave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if a man sells his daughter as a slave, she is not to go free as male slaves do. What? Right. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 
New Testament gets in on the action. Ephesians 6, 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this I, I'm obviously plucking these out of context. I yep, know maybe yep. some of our listeners are like, but the context. But yep, okay, yep. it just says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with, with fear, with respect and fear. Hmm. <clears throat> and then Titus 2, verse 9. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them. Hmm. How are we doing so far? Right, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, the sad thing, about, so I... You know, I feel like I know where you're going to go with this, which we're going to get to. The sad thing is, like, I just so I just I just finished a book called The Underground Railroad. I don't railroad. I don't know if I told you this. Harry Tubman. Uh, oh, is that sorry? I don't even know who the author is. It, it won a Pulitzer Prize. It's great. It's called The Underground Railroad. Oh, sorry, but Harriet Tubman was part of the Underground. Railroad. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't. I was like, I just finished it now. It was like, uh, it's it's a great story. It's all about. It's actually all about the slave trade. It's about this particular woman named Cora who. Um, who uh, escapes from the plantation that she's on. Did I tell you this? Did I say this already in one of our podcasts or no? no. Okay. Um, it's it's just a beautiful and tragic story. It's all about just like, yeah, everything about it is this stark picture of what things used to be like in, in America in particular. And mm. um, so, sorry, what I was going to say is what's so sad about it is that like, okay, sorry, and I'm not, not putting the cart before the horse because I know we're going to get there. You're going to talk about uh, slavery in the Bible and, and how we should look at it and stuff. I just feel like it's just too bad that Sometimes people say, well, okay, so great. So you can, you can figure out a way to do this biblically. Um, but meanwhile, like how much has been lost because, because people read the Bible wrong, let's say. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's like, well, it does, like you just said, you gave us five verses here. It's like, well, clearly, you know, it's scriptural, you could say. Someone could say, well, it's biblical to have slaves. Right. You know, which people would, you know, unfortunately, would probably say and justify it that way. It's just too bad, right? It's too bad. You're like, oh, it's too bad that... Somewhere along the line, we have not done a good job of teaching or, or helping people understand, like what we're about, what you're about to teach us, I think, uh, in terms of how to read the Bible yeah. properly, for all it's worth, right? That, that book, <laughs> Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Because you're like, man, how, many, how much harm has been done because of a misreading? I know. And, and I, think, I, I think that's, I think the here's what we want. We want to have it both ways. We want to be able to just pick up the Bible and quickly understand it. Yes. Yep. Yep. And then we want to know all the nuance and complexities of it. Right. Do, do, uh, and that only takes, that takes time. Yes. That yeah. takes a lot of time. And yeah. it takes wisdom from people who have read the Bible before us. Yeah. So I, 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 I feel like I just want to encourage people to just enjoy the long journey of a complex scripture right it's good but it's complex Hmm. so it's like let's not just i feel like we can come to the bible and just judge it very quickly yeah based on a plain reading Mm -hmm. just like well look what it says yes but if you really want to know what it says you got to give it years and Hmm. time and but then also that i don't want to that sometimes puts people off because they're like well if what does it take a PhD to to, to, right, to study right, the Bible? Right. Well, then I don't want to start. Yep. yep. And I'm like, well, no, we don't. We don't want that either. <laughs> yes. Like, come to the Bible, but yeah, because I think a lot of people will be like, okay, wait. So you're saying like I can't even take the Bible at face value? Like, you know, I'll read a verse like this, and clearly, I'm like, no, I know it's wrong to have slaves, but but it says it right here. So so how about for anything else that I read in the Bible? You know that that's that's the right. complaint I think, right? Um, yes. Say, like, well, how do you you know whether it's again the Genesis story? You, you know, we 
we talked about that, like creation and stuff. Well, it says it right there on the first day, on the second right. day. You know, so what do you mean? What do you mean it wasn't necessarily a 24 hour day? Like, how do I, you know? Right. Um, yeah. It, but as a musician, wouldn't you feel like if I came up to a piano or a cello or something and I was like, oh, I'm so frustrated I can't just play this right now, you'd be like, give it time. Like totally. You, you, yeah, yeah. you cannot just play this immediately. Yes. Yeah. Like, you might totally. be able to learn like a couple few chords and then you can sing some songs. Yeah, but you're not even like this is a beautiful thing that needs to be mastered. Totally, absolutely. I think so. Maybe yeah, and maybe I'm you're I'm I'm with you 100. percent I think oh, yeah. I just feel like I know I've heard that from people when you when you get into discussions or dialogue about things that are in the Bible, and it's like that's that often happens, especially unfor. I think especially maybe these days in sort of evangelical kind of you know where we've been yes. we've been taught that it's like no no you, the Bible is the Sometimes I think we've been misled when it's like, it's the easiest thing to do, you know, kind of like this idea that it's just so easy, just pick up the Bible and just start reading. And, and not that I'm saying that's a bad idea, but it almost feels like you almost have to add a few disclaimers to it when you say that. Right. Like, start reading and don't just read right. the Bible, read the experts on the Bible. Like, you know, read people that have spent their lives yeah. dedicated to the the genres, the literary genres, the the history, the scholarship, you know, all that stuff that, anyways... Sorry, you need, you need a, a guide. You need a guide. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Anyways, so I, I just find that it, it does seem, it, it seems a little tragic. I remember I had a friend once who said, I don't think I agree with him, but he was like, he's like, it, our problem started when, when every person was allowed to have a Bible. <laughs> right. I know. And I was like, ah, I don't think that's right. But, but I understand what he was saying. He's like, cause then everyone's just reading it and say, no, no, this verse says this. So that's my theology. Sure. And someone else would read something else and say, no, that's, this is my theology. And yeah. he's like, yeah, when everyone is allowed to have one, it just suddenly, you know, but totally. I was like, ah, oh, somewhere man. in the middle. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. That's a full podcast we could do one day. Yeah, man. That'd be good. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Okay, so how do we make sense of the fact that we have these verses? So if it's true that slavery is evil and that Jesus is moving us towards liberation, then what's with these verses? Okay, so I want to say this. First of all, slavery is evil. Full stop, stop, right? Slavery is owning other human beings, which is wrong. Genesis 1.27 is all about the image of God. Right. Right? Yep. And do any of us believe that to own another image bearer, to do with what we will, you know, mm-hmm. is a good idea? No. No. Right? Yeah. So we know there was, there's no slavery in Eden, right? In Eden, there's two image bearers with the freedom to rule over creation. Mm-hmm. And the complex thing is we have kind of anti-slavery passages in the Bible, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just that we have you know, passages promoting slavery, then we've got these. Like, so for instance, there's a prohibition. um, I'm going to share with you a verse in the same chapter, Exodus 21, that this verse alone should have been enough to to destroy the transatlantic slave trade. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. Here it is. Exodus 21, 16. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death. Hmm. whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. Like I'm saying these so-called followers of God who were part of the slave trade, Mm -hmm. if they just want to read the Bible at face value, they were kidnapping slaves in Africa to Hmm. bring them to America. So anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death. 
Yeah. Wow. Like, yes. So I'm just saying like, we, we can't just pick some and not others. Okay. I'm not saying this answers our question. I'm just saying, I'm just want to show yep. these There's verses a balance here. here. Yep. Yep. Um, and in the new Testament, the same idea, right? Uh, first Timothy one, we also know that the laws made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels. So who are these lawbreakers and rebels? So the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those who practice homosexuality, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, right? Mm. So slave traders are in this list of lawbreakers and rebels. Right, yep. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is just like, while we have these stark verses about slavery, we also have these stark verses that are like, I don't know how anyone in the American South could, like, you'd have to go to a slave trader to buy your slave for your cotton field. Right. Yes. Like, so what I'm saying is like, well, fine, take the, take the Bible at face value here. Like, just maybe you should like show some, sh maybe you should slow down a bit. Right. Right. Like, at the very least. Yeah. At the yeah. very least. Mm -hmm. And like, pause. Right. So I guess I'm trying to highlight the contradiction in the Bible. And I'm not even bringing up the entire story of the Exodus, right? Like right, God sure. setting his people free from slavery, totally. and Jesus' mission to set the oppressed free, and all this other stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. So how do we deal with the seeming contradiction in the Bible? We have verses promoting slavery versus condemning slavery. And so how do we understand what God is up to? All right. So I have three approaches, Corey. Okay. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Hit me. Numero uno. Okay. Okay. The first approach is, I would call it kind of helpful, maybe barely helpful. Okay, okay. Almost not usable, but I think it's important to mention it. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. You'll hear Christians, uh, actually someone said this to me this past week. <laughs> hmm. um, they weren't happy with my sermon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so they'll, they'll say things like this. Slavery was not that bad. Hmm. Wow. In the ancient world. Yeah. Okay. It's not that bad. Right. So, but by the way, I just want to say there's a, there is a truth to this, but I'm, okay. but I, but I, I, I would, I don't like using this argument, but here's, here's one approach. Slavery in the Roman empire. Um, slavery was how people got out of debt. Okay. So this is true. So here's the deal. There's no banks. Right. So if you and I got into debt, mm -hmm. w w w there's no way of paying back the debt. Right. So what do we do? We we offer ourselves to the slave market and we say, you know, hey, we owe five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So a wealthy uh head of a family, yeah, that's in the Roman Empire, it's called the pater familias. It's mm -hmm. the father head of home, right? Right. Uh would come and would be like, I'll pay five hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars uh to have Matthew and his family come work here. Right. And the argument that's made is that, like, the Price family goes to this wealthy home, and we, for a number of years, work off the $500,000. Right. So he's paid for us to be his employees. Gotcha. And that it's more like a Downton Abbey type mm. thing. Like, right, it's right. like, I'd be the butler. <laughs> you know, uh, Tanya would be, you know, the housemaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making right. the beds. Right. Um, the idea is that we're treated well. Yes. We're given meals. More like servants. Uh, servant, yeah, yeah, servant yeah, yeah. in the household. And um, and and so <clears throat> sometimes uh, this really was a life or death choice. Like it's like hmm. like I literally could go to prison. Um, 
whatever. So the best thing to do is like, oh, it's so cool that that master purchased me. Right. And I actually get to go live in the safety of their home and serve them. So mm. I just want to say that could be very well be true. Right. Right. Yes. And I think yeah. historically we see examples of that. We actually see examples of like, uh, of, of, of that kind of situation where it wasn't forever. So once they, once they paid their debt yeah. or they worked off their debt, then they were allowed to be free. And in some cases they would get Roman citizenship, hmm. which okay. was actually really amazing. Um, also some slaves owned slaves. Hmm. So it was like, oh. there were multiple tiers of it. So it's right, complex, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So there were some slaves that were actually quite wealthy and they hmm. actually owned slaves. Um, there were some slaves that actually seemed to love their masters enough that when they were done, they, they actually stayed permanent members of the, of the home. Hmm. I don't know if that's like Stockholm syndrome or something like right, right, you right. start yeah, loving yeah. your captor, yes. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. We have examples of that. Slaves tended like there were slaves that were educated. We have in history signs of that. And, and this is a big one. Slavery in the Roman empire was not based on race. Hmm. So it's not like because you're black, you're a slave. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or because you're brown, you're a slave. Or because you're white, you're a slave. Right. Or whatever. Like, yes. it wasn't based on race. It was like based on debt. Hmm. Okay. So I want to pause there. And I want to say, so like the idea, now you can see, the idea there is like, listen, this is just the world they lived in. Yeah. Um, this is how you get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And it was more about like... Uh, like how masters treated their, their servants, right? Like, so the right. gospel would be lived out, you know, like you should be a good master. Like you should lead like Jesus or something. Right, right, right. Um, so it's almost more like a, it almost sounds like more of a language issue. If, okay, if this is true, mm-hmm. it's like, well, uh, we could solve a lot of the problem by just changing that word slaves to, let's say, servants. Well, which the to, Bible does. Right. So like so, it says servant. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. And, so, yeah. and but there are some so actually that's a good do you know the answer to this? Like is there are there some places that where the word is actually slave and some is servant or are they all the same? Are they Well the, the Greek word? word is doulos. Okay. Uh D O U L O U S. Okay. Doulos. Oh, and that's that's the one word you Yeah, so for... it's like you have to pick. Oh. Yeah, that's my understanding. I can hmm. I can okay. research that after this, but Interesting. Yeah. So it's just doulos. So right. you're so are you saying that, but you're saying that you don't, you don't necessarily know that this is like, this is, you're saying, I'm sure that some of this is true, but it may not be in all situations. Like it's obviously, I'm sure it wasn't in all situations, obviously. Well, I'm saying even if all this is true, here's the deal. A master owned a slave. Right. Yes. You yeah. owned a human. You owned a human. So you yeah. can pretty this, you can make this as pretty as you'd like. Right. But uh, one person owns another person. And in the Roman empire... Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. The head of home, it's called the pater familias, the head of home, yep. would be allowed to pretty much do whatever he wants uh, okay. gotcha. with his women, children, and slaves. Right, okay. So I'm, I'm saying like, why don't we see then a, an, a total obliteration in the New Testament going, hey, like it's wrong to own another human. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now you might be the nicest Christian master ever. Mm-hmm. But you own humans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Totally. Like that's just it's not, wrong. So like, the difference is you're not just employing a human. In my right. mind, I think as you were describing, like, oh, it sounds like, it sounds like what, it almost sounds like a normal workplace in some ways. It's like the, exactly. the boss hires someone. And, yeah. But I hear, I see there's a distinction in that. It's like, no, no, you actually own this person. You make up, a, you bring up a good point. I've heard Christian teachers say that it's akin to the employee-employer relationship. Right, right, right. 
And I'm like, eh. Not really. Not yeah, really. That, that's Unless, you don't yeah. own. You don't mm. own somebody. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But but I, but I I guess what I'm trying to say is this first thing that I'm saying I yeah. still use it. Right. I still think it's important. You can't not say all this. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's it's a factor in it all. It's a factor. I get that. Yeah. It just on its own, I'd still be like, but you, but you own somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you think it's that's a, good? And it's a power, a weird power. Yeah. The power of it feels just wrong. Yes. You know, and again, I know it's. I, it feels like a funny, slippery thing because you're like, well, th- you know, are you then saying that there should be no CEOs and no, you know, what I mean, like that whole that's that's also power, right. but it's very different. O- ownership is very different than employment, obviously. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, w- one approach um, that I like is kind of anchored in in that first approach, but it 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 gets at a little bit more of what Paul might be doing. And so I like this. Again, it's not the best one, but I like this next one. Yep. And it's Paul the missionary. Okay. Because both of the things I just read to you about masters and slaves come from Paul. Right. Yes. Right. So yep. Ephesians and Titus, right? So what's what's Paul doing? Okay. So so this is a this is a thing that I've been chewing on for a while. Okay. So there's not a lot to I, I haven't written a lot out, but I'm just going to explain it. Okay. The idea is that when the early church gathered for worship, mm-hmm. it was radical. It, it didn't look like the world. So mm-hmm. in the Roman world, there was women were supposed to do this. Children were supposed to behave like this. Men could behave like this. Slaves had to behave like this, right? right. There's all this. There were, there were these things called household codes. Mm-hmm. So when you read in the Greek Roman world, there's lots of household codes. This is how... Husbands are supposed to behave. This is how masters are supposed to behave. This is how slaves need to behave. And you would find, I think Aristotle has all these household codes, mm, right? So you, right. so th- I just want to say, this is very normal. Right, yep. Household codes. And in the household codes, the pater familias, the head of the home, as I already mentioned, had absolute authority mm. over the women, slaves, and children in his home. Right. So Paul has household codes in his letters, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So here's what I wonder is happening. When the church met for worship, imagine that space being like a pocket of heaven. Mm. It was like a pocket of the new heavens, new earth. It was like the kingdom come. Mm. So what you have is you actually could have slaves getting up and teaching the Bible mm. or teaching the Bible, <laughs> teach, teach well, teaching the Old Testament scriptures or, or prophesying. Yes, right. And their masters are sitting in the congregation. Hmm, Listen, right, right, right. Maybe yeah. you have children give, getting up, and maybe the ch- the child is an elder or a deacon, hmm. and their parents are sitting there. Wow, and yeah. they're you know, you have women standing up to prophesy. Hmm. Right, they're prophesying in worship. Yeah, and their husband is listening to their authoritative word. Right, right, right. So, so what you have in the church is this pocket of heaven, and I like to think of it as like the embassy. Like if mm. you, if you and I were to go to France right now, we'd go to like an embassy and yeah. when you enter the Canadian embassy, you're on Canadian soil. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it's like the church is like the soil of heaven mm, right? <laughs> and it's where all distinctions that the world has are obliterated. Right. Mm. And there's this freedom of worship. Right. So that's what I imagine. That's, that's my picture of the early yeah, church. Right? I love that. But now Paul says. So now these are my words, right? Yeah, I'm making yeah. this up. He's okay. like, all right, now when you go back into the world, okay? Yeah. You're going to go back into a world that has an assumption about these household codes. But here's what I want you to do, okay? Mm. 
And then he says, when you're filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, when you're filled with the Spirit, I want you to submit to one another. Hmm. That's what he says. Right. Submit to one another. Yep. And what that actually means is husbands, you're also submitting to your wives, right? Mm, Parents, yes. you're actually submitting to your children and masters, you're submitting to your slaves. Does it go the opposite way? Of course it does. Mm. But here's what I want that submission to look like. Um, and so then he, he, he unpacks what this looks like and he starts wor- working through each of those. And there's some of them are radical. Like husbands, I want you to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Give yourself up for her. That's what I want your submission to look like. Mm. Masters, I want you to treat your slaves in such a way that you that 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 there's like dignity given to your slave. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And slaves, I want you to show what it looks like to serve your master in a way that is like uh, we see the gospel mm. like there because you're not serving your master. You're serving Christ. Right. He's yeah. not actually your boss. Like your boss is Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Children, I want you to honor your parents. Like I want you, I, w- I want you to show the world what a radically different, a countercultural looks like, a cu- counterculture mm. looks like. Right. But what Paul's not doing is he's not just getting rid of the whole system. He's a right. good missionary and he's going to work within a broken system. But, Right, because to the ancient, mm-hmm. to the Greco-Roman world, it would look like anarchy if you got rid of the household codes. Mm. But he's saying, we experience it in worship. But when you go back home, <laughs> I want you to live out the best versions of those things, hmm. so that Paul doesn't have in mind like abolition of slavery in his lifetime. Right, because he's probably thinking this is how people get out of debt. This is the way it works. Like, yep, yeah, you know, he's not thinking William Wilberforce or Martin Luther King. Not Martin Luther King wasn't slavery, but he's not thinking abolition fully, although I'm sure these are my words. I'm sure Paul would love to live in a world yeah, yeah, where that yeah. didn't exist. But he's saying, go back into the world and, and live out the mission of God in, in an upside down way. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. So you're kind of, you're arguing for, to say, I, I, I like that a lot. You're, you're arguing to say that basically he's saying, look, like here, um, this is, this is how we, like there's a, there's a distinction between what we're doing here in this in this space in this time in this mm-hmm. whatever, um, but the game that we're in, you know the world that we're in the water we're swimming in yes this is how it functions this is we all know this so as you leave this place of equality and what mutual yes. love and dignity and all those things image bearing you know our understanding of what the kingdom looks like you're heading into the world and that world is a very different place. It's and so broken. we, and we all know yeah. what it is. So, yeah. so in your roles that you've been given, which are stupid, we all know that. Um, maybe he doesn't say that, but you know, that's the idea It's like, it's, it's not the way the kingdom works, but it is what it is. Uh, behave in this way. Like, you know, this is how yes. you can let your light shine basically is what you're saying. Yeah. And it, it seems to me that he wouldn't, in some ways, as you're saying this, I'm like, well, yeah. And Paul wouldn't have had any sort of earthly authority as far as being able to suddenly like, change no. the system. Like he wouldn't. So he's talking to like a, a kind of a ragtag group of, <laughs> of yeah. people that are choosing to follow Jesus in a, in a time, in a context where that would not have, that would have been a very dangerous thing. I assume still, right? Exactly. For like, so it's not as though he's saying we got to change the, uh, the laws and we're going to change the, he, I assume he would have zero ability to do zero. that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like, yeah. hey, rock the vote, go to your poll, right. or go, go <laughs> right, to right, the right. voting place and vote mm-hmm. no to slavery. It's yeah, like yeah. that would have not had. have happened. Totally. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. So, and then what about um, uh, women? And uh, you, you said like, you know, like kids could go and preach and they could uh, have authority over the data. Yes. Women, women in those environments, do you still think, I know we're going to be doing a, a series yes. in, the, in the new year. Um, what was, do you think in those little pockets of heaven, 
that women would have actually been able to take that authority, like to teach with that kind of authority? Okay, so yeah, so we're, as Corey mentioned, we're going into this right now. Mm-hmm. And the question we're asking as a church is specifically the role of elder. There's, there seems to be a role of elder that on a flat reading of scripture seems to be reserved for men. And right. it's how our church is operated. So we're asking that question. Mm, okay. But what we're, but what we are not going back on is the idea that we have here at North Langley that lots of Christian churches have is that women were freed up to be apostles, prophets, deacons, uh, evangelists, co-workers with Paul. Uh, they, they were standing up, leading in the prayers, leading in, in the prophetic. Hmm. Um, they were teaching. So, yeah. so that seems clear in the New Testament. And what I guess that is, was already radical. Right. Radical in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we're asking the question about elder, which is the final authority, kind Mm, of the highest authority in the church. So that's that's the journey we're on. But what I'm trying to say is that like (laughs) 99% of the rest of it, like you would find if you entered into an early church setting, um, you would find women absolutely using their gifts. Because look at the look at this when the spirit comes and gives spiritual gifts, it's for men and women. Right. So all of yeah. those lists of the spirit, gifts of the spirit are for men and women, mm, right? So right. this is like they're filled with the spirit and they set off into, into ministry. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think that was normal in the Greco-Roman world to find women. Right. I was going to say that sounds, inca- yeah, yeah from, that sounds, it would be absolutely countercultural for women to have those kinds of, uh, the ability to have, like to be teaching and to prophesying yes. and to actually have a role, yes. significant roles, right? So, totally. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. So we'll just, sorry, I know not just because, yeah. um, so you anticipate us landing because right now we would be called soft complementarian as a That's church, right. right? Where it's like yeah. we, women can have any role except right now, currently at North Langley, um, uh, the role of an elder, elder. or senior yeah. pastor, lead pastor. Is that true? Yeah. All the, the leaders of the campuses. Um, so myself at Walnut Grove, Jeff at Yorkson, Kevin at Aldergrove, our, our roles are elders as mm-hmm. well. So we're elders. Yeah. So in a sense, you can just say elder. Right. But yeah, it's yeah. also leader of campuses or senior pastor. Cool. Yeah. So which way are you leaning? <laughs> More on that in 2023. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I just thought I'd try. The people want to know, Matthew. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll leave that. Um, okay. So here's the final uh, image that I, that, I, that I do like, um, but that... Um, some people can be a little bit nervous about, but it's mm-hmm. called a redemptive hermeneutic, right. or some have called it reading scripture on a trajectory. Yes. So here's the idea. Um, so <laughs> Jesus talked about the kingdom of God growing like a little seed that grows into a big tree and like yeast mm-hmm. that works through the dough. So I'm wondering, right? Is that when we read the new, when we read the scriptures, do we see a a little seed of abolition of slavery, <laughs> the yeast of Jesus' mission to set people free, yeah, and that as the church began to took it seriously, they moved into those places where there needed to be abolition of slavery, and they lived it out, and it started to grow, mm, right? right? So that what we find only in a seed form or in the yeast, tiny little yeast, that it, as the 2,000 years of church history has grown, we have continued to see a trajectory towards freedom. Right, yeah. So even though we find Paul working as a missionary, 
going, hey, masters, treat your slaves like this. Yeah. That that is kind of the end of the old order, right? Mm, right. He's saying, hey, be good missionaries right now. Do it well, blah, blah, blah. But that we cannot have new disciples become masters anymore. Mm, <laughs> you know, like right, right. The, the, my hand for people who can't see is moving lower left to upper right. right yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a trajectory. We're moving up towards the freedom of the kingdom. So, mm. so Dan Kimball in his book, How Not to Read the Bible, he says this, quote, God did not affirm or endorse slavery, but worked within the cultural framework of that time to begin a longer process of transformation that would lead to moving people out of slavery in any and every form, mm. end quote. So the idea here is that we're moving upward and outward. Right. And one example of this is um, the story, the letter of Philemon. It's one of our smallest letters in the New Testament. And let me just summarize the story really quick. Yeah. Philemon, he's the paterfamilias. He's the head of a home. Okay. He's a wealthy man mm-hmm. who owns servants, slaves. Right. He's the head of home. He owned a man named Onesimus. Onesimus, the backstory here is somehow he wrongs his master. He okay. either steals money from him or he just runs away from him, or he does something wrong. And Onesimus actually finds Paul in prison, Hmm. like the slave. He runs and he finds Paul. And we think during that time, he seems to have become a Christian. Hmm. Onesimus does. And Philemon, the master, is also a Christian, right? Okay, yeah. So Paul writes a letter to Philemon, the master, the head of home. Mm -hmm. And he's basically arguing that he needs to set Onesimus free. Hmm. His slave free. Yeah. And there's a point in the, in the, there's only one chapter. So this is verses 15 to 16. We read this. Paul writes this. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. Hmm. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Hmm. Paul's doing something crazy. Yeah. He's saying, hey, head of home, paterfamilias, master, I'm going to send Onesimus back to you. And I'm trusting when I send him back to you, he's not going to show up again to get beat. Right, right, right. Yeah. For having stolen money from you or run away. Mm-hmm. Actually, when he comes back to you, I want you to receive him as a brother, right. not as a slave. Yeah, yeah. And then Paul goes on to say, and whatever Onesimus owes you, Philemon, put it on my card. Hmm put it on me. Mm. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Which is the, it's the story of the gospel. Yes. Jesus right, makes right. payment, ransom payment right. for us so that we would be free mm. so that yeah. we would be called brothers. Right. Interesting. And yes. so Paul's like living out the gospel in his own life saying, and, and Paul's so like heavy handed. He's like kind of wink, wink Philemon. I know you're going to do this for me. <coughs> right. Right? Like, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, exactly. Like, and, and put it on, put it on, put it on my card. And let's see if you actually ask me for the money, <coughs> right? Like, I just, I love that about Paul. He's mm. super, you know, bold. But it's a move from slavery to brotherhood. And it's, and it's the good news that in Jesus, slaves become brothers. Mm. And I think Paul's on a trajectory, right? Like, I think this is the redemptive hermeneutic idea. It's like, we're moving <coughs> towards freedom. Mm. So we're moving from slavery to brotherhood. And so... um Taron Williams, he's a South African theologian. He says this, quote, without denying the social differences, he seeks to dissolve the hierarchy as far as possible by applying the uniting and equalizing power of the gospel. Hmm. 
And so uh, I just want to stop right there. Yeah. Any thoughts on that yeah. so far? No, it's beautiful. It's um. No, I don't. I love that. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's. I. I. I've heard. Like obviously, I. I've read Philemon, although it's been a long time. But that's a neat kind of balance to what we're talking about. So I don't know. I'm just. I'm kind of taking it in. I like that. Cool. Yeah. Well. Two beautiful passages, one's in Galatians 3 and one's in Colossians 3, where we have this list of total equality, right? So Galatians 3, in Christ, you're all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Therefore, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like that's radical. Totally. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like that's the seed or right. the or the yeast. Yes. That starts to work its way through the soil or the dough, <laughs> depending mm. on your image, and leads towards abolition of slavery. And the other one is Colossians <coughs> three, for here there is no ge- ge- Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. <laughs> mm. So here's here's the point. The point is that we see a redemptive hermeneutic, uh, a trajectory of freedom. And to me, it boggles my mind how slave owners in the South of America could read their Bibles and not see this. Hmm, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, you should have at least come with fear and trembling. Totally. Like, when you read passages like this. Yeah. I don't know. It's just too convenient, I suppose, yeah. right? Like, you'd be like, yeah. it's funny, yeah, that Galatians passage, I had a friend in college, that was his very favorite passage, his name was, um, and he was, was Fern, he was a great guy, but um, he loved that one, also the Colossians uh, passage as well, but it is interesting, because um, I feel as though when you read, like, like even that, the book that I was just telling you about there, um, the uh, the Underground Railroad, because um, you're like, you are, like, you can totally see how you might be completely tempted as a, like, as a slave owner, in some ways, they're like, oh, yeah, right, man, isn't that convenient? You're like, you're all powerful. You you have these servants, or not servants, but slaves that will do everything. <laughs> what are you, Ma- Matthew's laughing here. I don't know why, what's so funny. <laughs> Keep going. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but really, how, how it was like this, it's like this, I can imagine, actually, if you, if you, if you would dare to go deep into Scripture and actually yeah. try to really read it for what it's trying to say, I feel like it's like, it's actually really inconvenient, right? Because it upends everything for me. Because I've got totally. this great, I've got a great estate here. I'm, yes. I'm wealthy. I, I own all of these, uh, yeah, these, these slaves that will do whatever I need them to do, whatever I want them to do. Um, and you actually, again, this book, you can see that it's just, it's, it feels horrifying, especially when you're looking at it from the perspective of the slaves, which is when they have zero, they just have, they can't, they have zero agency. Yeah. with anything you know and it's and it's children uh, born into this and that's their you know anyways totally yeah yeah it's um it's fascinating so can i make this controversial oh okay yeah i, I can imagine yes go ahead <laughs> scripture on a trajectory yeah so what we what we when it comes to slavery the question of same-sex marriage comes up and it's like right. well isn't same-sex marriage like slavery in the bible right right like it's it's something where you're like, um, it, but it kind of works in the opposite way. You're, you're saying you're sorry when you're saying it's like you're saying that it's isn't it the same idea that if we're look, if we're reading scripture on a trajectory, yes. shouldn't we also be doing this when it comes to same sex marriage? Yes, right, right, and but it works kind of the opposite direction. Right. So so yeah. yeah. So slavery is is seems to be okay in the scriptures, but we're moving towards slavery being wrong. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Whereas maybe 
the opposite is like same sex marriage seems to be very wrong in the scriptures, but we're moving towards freedom. We're moving towards acceptance. We're right, right, right. Like, yeah. can we read it on a trajectory? Right. Yes. Um, and so I'll just read this here. The affirming argument here is that while the scriptures seem to be clear that same sex sex is wrong, the Bible gives clues that God is moving towards less restrictions and greater sexual freedom. So if you look closely, there's a trajectory towards greater freedom, sexual freedom. Right, right. So is that true? And so I would argue that no, uh, that when it comes to sexuality, we actually see the opposite. And a lot of theologians have pointed this out, that the Old Testament seems to have these actually much more loose views hmm. on things like divorce or polygamy. But when Jesus shows up, the bar is raised higher, right? So Jesus, Jesus doesn't kind of restrict or, or loosen restrictions. <clears throat> loosen it up, yeah, yeah. He actually kind of tightened things up. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount even gets to a point where he says, even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery, hmm. right? Or when it comes to divorce, he's like, you can't just go around divorcing women for right. any and every reason. Right. You yeah. need to stay committed to the one flesh relationship, one man, one woman, like the book of Genesis says. Right. And Jesus affirms celibate singleness in a beautiful way, like in his own life. So Preston Sprinkle writes this. He says, when the Bible uh, augments its vision for marriage and sexuality, it moves towards a stricter ethic, not a more expanded one. Hmm. So we see with women, expanded dignity in Jesus. Right. Yeah. With slaves, expanded freedom in Jesus. Hmm. And with sexuality, I think an expanding vision of the beauty of one man, one woman, mm, right, which is actually a tightening of the sexual ethic. Mm -hmm. So going back to the book of Genesis to remind people that marriage is a lifelong covenant of love shared between a man and a woman. That, so I, I, I don't think that if you say, hey, look, it's freedom for slaves and it's expanded dignity for women. And I think... I, so this is me, I'm saying yeah, yeah. when I read the scriptures, I think Jesus would be like, yeah, and a recasting of the vision of one man, one woman, hmm. which sets That's the well. world free. Right, right. Yeah, We've yeah. already talked about that a lot. Yes, totally. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that people get nervous when we talk about like with slavery or with women, hmm. this idea of this redemptive hermeneutic or trajectory yes. because they go, oh, well, you're going to go there with same-sex marriage. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. I know some people would like us uh, to yes, go there with yeah. same sex marriage. But, but, uh, but I, I just, I don't, I don't at all see any indicator of like a seed or the yeast of like, um, same sex partnerships mm -hmm. or whatever right. in Jesus, in Paul, in anything. Right. Yeah. Whereas with slaves and women, you have complicated verses that seem to say different things. To yes. Right. right, right so right. at minimum yeah. you're like, Ooh, is this, are women restricted? Are they, what? you don't find any of that right. when it comes to same sex relationships. So, Right, right, right. Yeah, it's um, that's interesting. That's true. I feel like it's, man. I wish we could, and I know we've done this before, but I, even just this whole topic of, um, you know, I've I've used the term. I know people don't always love this this way of putting it, but like the Bible arguing with itself, you know, yes. which is like I feel like I I feel very comfortable with that because it's not the Bible itself is like as you've said before, it's it's like a library, right? The Bible yes. is it's an, so many different authors and different time periods and genres and et cetera, et cetera. But it does make me come back to just our, our earlier conversation about, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's, it does feel like more than ever in 2022, it's so important for us to know how to, um, not perfectly, but how to read the Bible 
correctly and in mm-hmm. a way that is healthy and actually well informed. Totally. As opposed to just um, yeah, like w- whether it's cherry picking or whether it's like well, you know, um, just sort of a flat reading or a, a very literal understand. You know, everything that it says it's because then I think you kind of end up you go a little crazy if you're if you if you want to read everything absolutely literally. Like you say, like you're pointing out these different passages on, on slavery, some that seem to affirm it, and then obviously others that are absolutely saying no, this is this is evil, like pointing sure. towards. So it's that, of course, doesn't it just is not sustainable, right? To read it all on a in a flat no. reading kind of way. So, yeah. Anyways, sorry. I just it just makes me think like, oh yeah, doing another a sermon series. I know you've done some of this already, but like a sermon series on how do we read scripture? I think we did that hmm. a couple years ago, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It seems so important to me. No, it's true. And and, yeah. and everybody does it. Everybody has a grid for how they read scripture. Totally. Yeah. Like people who say, I just take every word as God's truth. Right. Well, it's are you like, still yeah. eating shellfish? I know, exactly. Right? That's right. Are you covering your head? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 and you're, and they're not. No, no, um, not at all. Sorry, they they are eating shellfish, which is the problem. Right, and right? they're not covering their head. Yeah, ex- or whatever. Yes, yes exactly. Whatever yeah, yeah. the example is. So everyone has some kind of grid by which they interpret. Totally, yeah. yeah. And it's not, I think for me, uh, sorry, I know we, we'll wrap this up now, but it's not as though, I think what always seems to happen is the extremes, right? Like where it's like either the one, the one extreme is just like, well, we can't understand anything, obviously then, so why, why even bother, you know? Mm. Um, because it's all, who knows, like, even like we just demonstrated here, it's like, well, this could mean this, or this might not mean that, or women, and you know, like it says in the Bible things about, you know, women as elders or not, and so some people are saying, well, you know, so then it's like, why even bother, right? Yes. Or the other extreme where it's like, nope, I'm just going to, I'm going to stand on this being every word is from God. And totally. I just seem like you have these, yeah, and it's like, no, it's, it's somewhere again in the messy middle, it seems to be, but yeah. Okay, so as we end, I think now it's safe to to say why I was laughing. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Corey, you inserted the secret word in the best way ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So if someone's already missed it right now, the secret word was earlier. Yeah, it was good, right? That was was very creative. Better than the other ones. And it's true. (laughs) It's just, it had everything to do with a consonant. That's right, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Unreal. Man, I don't know. Okay, I could not stop laughing over here. (laughs) I'm getting better as time goes on. You're getting good. I know. I was talking about something very serious, and you're like laughing in the corner (laughs) over there. Um, Okay, good. All right. uh, This has been great, Matthew. Thank you. Yes, Um, thank you. North Langley, we love you. Uh, We will see you on Sunday. Yeah? All right. Okay, okay, goodbye. (laughs) 